Welcome to the Understanding Project Management Discussions podcast. This is Dave Barrett. My guest today is Marion Chang. Marion has many years of project and portfolio management experience in the financial, transportation, and technology industries. She has also attained her PMP and is a certified Agile project manager. Our topic today is critical chain project management. During our discussion, Marion shares her experience using this PM methodology and explains how she integrates critical chain with the more traditional critical path method. Please welcome Marion Chang. Hi, Marion. Uh, thanks for coming on. Hi, Dave. It's great to be here. Great, great. Well, our discussion today is a is sort of a special form of project management uh, referred to as critical chain. So in our discussion beforehand, you said that you had some experience with, with critical chain, which is great. So what I want to, to first start with is that most, most uh, people, students and practitioners are more familiar with critical path you know, critical path is, you know, roughly defined as you define the dependencies between activities, and then you map out the network diagram, and you find the longest path, and that defines the length of the project. And so, so that's sort of a tried and true concept. But now we have this thing called critical chain. So I guess my first question is, is how does, like, at a, at a high level, how does, what, how does critical chain differ in general from, from critical path, and then we can go from there. Well, critical chain and critical path to me is slightly different. It's still identification of a, that critical um, activity um, process. But to me, critical chain is where you focus more on the resourcing aspect um, aligned with the critical, and you let that drive your estimation and the time for the project instead of looking at the task and the critical ordering of the task. Now you're looking at the critical resources, the resources that need to support that and you align your timeline according to your resource availability. Okay, so so you would need to, and by resource, you mean the, the people. The you people. Mean, you mean people or, or are you talking about equipment and, and that or, or are you more talking people? Mostly in my experience uh, it has been people. The right. equipment is less so. Um, because most of my experience is really with um, software uh, or organizational uh, merger acquisition projects. So it's really driven by people and less right. so driven by equipment. Right. Okay. So, so just to summarize then in, in terms of critical path, it's more, we look, we, we, we kind of think of the, the people sort of secondary. We, we've, we, we let the tasks drive it and say, what's the order of the tasks? Exactly. And, you know, what comes first, what comes second, what comes third, with kind of an underlying assumption is we'll get someone to do it. Now that, as we kind of know, I think most people who have managed projects, as we know, that's not always easy. You know, we, we, there's often shortages of people and key skills and so on. So, so it sounds like critical chain sort of turns that upside down and says, okay, let's start with the resources and then, and then order our tasks accordingly. Is that, is that true? Absolutely. That is basically the exact same scenario. So in the scenario that I uh, used this methodology mostly was where we had an organization that purchased other organizations quite frequently. So we had a dedicated team, um, dedicated number of resources. So the number of resources was fixed. When we would go in and complete these mergers and acquisitions, 
uh, mostly from a financial and IT department. So you're not going to have unlimited amount of resources. You have two people, and that's all you have. So you have the same number of tasks. So how do you organize those for the two people? It's not like you have this number of tasks. You Two people is not enough, you can get four. That's not possible. So that's where now the resources um, and the availability and the number of hours you have dictates how you complete the exercise. Right. So, so how do you go about planning your schedule then? So, so like, I kind of get that in, in principle of, okay, we've got a certain number of resources. Now let's drive it from there. But practically speaking, you're, you want to, you, you want to tell those people, you want, you don't tell or people, or you want to work with them, develop a, an order of what they're going to do. How does that, how, how does that happen? Like what's, what's the process of, of figuring out what the schedule is? Well, you, you do actually a lot of math. So how I approach the problem is I still start with a critical chain sequence. Then you've layered on the availability of resources. It's almost, I, I'm a Lego player. <laughs> so I'm going to use a Lego analogy. Awesome. It's it, when you have this um, pieces of Lego that you're going to know you're going to put together in this particular sequence. Now, when you look at resources, you're going to rearrange them based on your availability of resources, and then that becomes your new path of execution. And then that's my path. And you also layer on contingency based upon resources. So for example, if your resources are a vacation, then that's where you're gonna need to have adjust your path accordingly. Right, right. Now are these paths, Sorry, just just to go through that again. Are these paths based upon the each resource is a path? Is that is that what you mean? Um, I look at it, yes. Uh, or resources. The way we the way I usually accomplish it is by uh, grouping of resources. So sometimes we have one we sometimes we have one resources to complete a organization like a group of tasks. Let's say one finance representative working on the finance. Sometimes we have two. So that's working on IT. So I look at it from a grouping of finance, IT, um, not individual resources, but grouping of resources, because sometimes those two resources in IT are, are backing each other up and supporting each other. So I look at it, the two of those as a single entity. Right, right. Now, what is the, what's the, what's the critical, like when, when we talk about the critical chain, what is the that, 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 so is the chain the longest sequence then of, of, the, of, of resources from start to finish of the project? Is that where the chain comes in? in terms yes. Of when oh. I look at it, yeah. Right. Okay. And, and um, so, so uh, um, what do you see as the, the advantages of this, of this approach over sort of traditional critical path scheduling like what's what's sort of the difference the practically speaking there or or you know when when would you you know when would you use one when would you use critical chain over over critical path i think critical chain is a little bit more realistic because a lot of the projects in the real world is really driven by resourcing um, you, like you said, um, you really don't have a limited amount of resource in the organization. Actually, from my 20 years of experience, I've actually never been in a project where I have unlimited amount of resourcing, very rarely. So most of the time, even if we start with, uh, and when we build uh, project clients, when I build project clients, I 
do create the chain of events as I see it. But immediately, I adjust it and tweak it and change it based upon resource availability. Right. So it always becomes a version of critical chain to right. account for that resources in, in practice when we run projects um, outside in the real world. So I rarely start with a critical path and that becomes my de facto um, plan. There's always right. that resourcing element. So critical chain is more realistic and it is what I use uh, quite often. Right. It's interesting you, you say about you, you, you know, you're in your all of your years of experience, you've never had too many resources. And I, and I agree with that. I mean, in my experience managing projects, I recall a project many years ago where uh, we were together with the, um, uh, there, there was some uh, folks from the risk management department, you know, I, I, that not necessarily the name of the department, but the, the risk department were coming, yeah. helping us through our, our risk uh, management plan. And, um, you know, this is a pretty big project or program. And, you know, one of the things that always came up or would come up repeatedly was not enough resources to complete the project. And it was right. It, we, that's always true. So yes, it's a risk, but it's just a condition. It's a, yeah. it's a, it's an ever present, you know, in, in, in certain industries. And I know in, in, you know, there may, there may be some industries where you can just, you know, get, you know, go to a, a contracting firm or a temp services and get as many of these types of resources as you need. But in, like you were mentioning, there's many other ones like systems development, for example, which is there's a, there's a limited pool, you know, yeah. and especially ones that will be ready to go right now. You know, you, maybe you hire and you can get somebody up and running in six months, but that doesn't help your project, which is due in three months, you know, yeah. so you have what you have. And yeah. so, that's what you're saying is that critical chain by its focus on the, the, the available resources um, um, just admits that almost. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> you know, yeah, critical absolutely. path in its, in, its, in its theory is sort of, there's almost an underlying assumption to say, yeah, you'll be able to fill those resources. You know, you can get those people, but in, in real life, as, as you're mentioning, you, you can't always. Yeah, well, in my view, the two are somewhat interchangeable. I know it's two separate theories, but in practice, it's easier to start with an identification of the path of task sequencing. Then right. you then layer on the resources. So it, to me, I use the two together mm -hmm. uh, to come up with that picture. And you're absolutely right, because you mentioned that even though you have temp agencies out there, um, it's difficult to bring in people and expect an immediate productivity and understanding of the organization. I know when we look at textbooks and look at case studies, that's hard to um, bring across. Um, it's when you look at, so, okay, so there's temp agencies. So Marion said they should get four more resources, but those four resources to understand the systems, uh, the organizational structures, um, and the people in the organization, like the stakeholders, I know in project management, we talk very much, we emphasize to um, our students about stakeholder analysis. So mm -hmm. that's not gonna happen in a day. It does take time. And if we look at the temporary uh, structure of a project, like you said, by the time the, the new people gets a full understanding of this, it probably won't be time for your project, it'll be time for the next project. Well, yeah, and, and you know, and again, on certain, types of where I, I'd like to 
qualify them almost as more knowledge-based projects like like systems and and like even you mentioned mergers and acquisitions and so on where deep knowledge is needed of the subject of the companies the their policies the subject matter and so on of um it takes a long time to get them integrated and get them productive and in, in addition bringing in no, new folks will will lower the productivity of the people that are on the team trying to do the work because they're coaching and mentoring the new people. Absolutely. So, so it, it all leads to that idea of just sort of going and getting resources. Like, sure, that might be possible if you were, you know, and, and no offense to any product, like all projects have, are, are useful and so on. But if you're like, say, building fences, you know, in a, in a backyard, you can, you can get somebody up and running pretty quickly on that. Now it's a key skill and it's, again, no disrespect intended, but that is something where you could pretty quickly get somebody in because, you know, a fence is a fence, you know, and, and there's different types and skills, obviously, to do it. But something like knowledge-based things like that, it's in, where, where critical chain would be used uh, is, is very different. And that's where, that's where the advantages come in, I think. Absolutely. And it, on projects, you know, maybe 20 or 30% of the resources that you can supplement quickly um, with options like temp agencies and et cetera. But I find generally on 70 to 80, it's like you said, knowledge base or specific knowledge of the organizations required. So you wouldn't be able to get those people um, quickly enough. Right. Yeah. Like I, I do think, you know, if you have a team of, you know, and, and I don't know what the exact number is, but if say you had a team of 20, you could maybe add a few, yeah. maybe one or two or three, maybe, but you start adding 10 to the 20, it'll bring the, like the productivity will just plummet at yeah. that because, yeah. because there's a, there's an absorption that, that is taking place. And, and that sort of re requires a lot of resources on the part of the people just to get the new people up and running. So, so it really highlights the whole point of critical chain is it really brings resource availability to the forefront and makes that the primary constraint. Yes. Oh, like I think it's, it's like, okay, that's number one. Re resources are, are is, is king or queen. And then we move everything else around it. We then, we then adjust, um, uh, you know, dependencies or, or, you know, what we do when, depending yep. upon their availability. Now, in, in terms of critical chain, it, there's, there's, it, if you read critical chain, it talks about buffers and project buffers and so on. Is that, have you managed to that level or do you do it more generally? No, I haven't managed to that level, but I do it more generally. Um, because if you look at the straight critical chain um, methodology, it talks about, um, uh, adjusting the buffers so that is more aligned on the project level and individual level. And you talk about um, a little bit of the concept of human, um, uh, just the way human works in core, when your resources give you a buffer, uh, what that means and uh, the mathematical equations of um, maybe adjusting that so that it's um, more aligned, um, take into account of the, uh, the concept of uh, uh, work fills time when you right. set up your buffer for case studies. So I'm not a fan of that element of the critical chained methodology because I find um, you as a project manager, you got to establish that relationship with the team. Mm -hmm. This is the human resource element of it where you have the trust established. If your team tells you it takes 
five days and we need to have two days of buffer. I feel it is essential to establish that relationship and accept that and not adjust that, um, given that you're thinking work fills time. Right. And let's cut it back to five and say, you don't need that. Right. So that element of it, I don't use. It's, it's funny. I, I had the same reaction. Like I, I you know, for, uh, um, you know, I need to say I, I have not myself managed a project with, with pure critical chain. You know, I've, I've, I've done many of it, but what you're, the way you're describing it, yeah, I've, I've done that level, but I have not done pure critical chain. Uh, but that is when I when I had when I have been reading about that that aspect and just just to sort of summarize it's critical chain is is roughly I'll roughly paraphrase it to say you know if you're if something is going to take five days or something is you sort of take half out of it and put it in a buffer and you give the the, the person working on it two and a half days or three days or something like that um, and you know because of the what you said is there's sort of the, the the philosophy behind it is that is that generally work fills the time available so maybe it is just really three days but if you give somebody five days they'll 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 kind of wait around for the first couple of days and then do the work all yeah. at the end or they'll do what's called gold plating which is they will do the work in three days and then spend the last two days um perfecting it yeah you know? And so by giving them only like the two or three days, you're squeezing the essential stuff and keeping that other time in a, what, a project buffer that you as the project manager sort of dole out. And it's required, yeah. I agree. I, I don't know how that would work because one is it puts the PM in a position of kind of almost constant conflict with the team saying, I don't care what you think it's going to be. You're getting this, you know, which is, that's not a really, you know, yeah. like rusting sort of uh, environment. And, um, you know, so and, well, the other thing was, I've, I'm always amazed at, at people figuring out how to beat systems, right? And so I would anticipate, well, if I was a team member and I was part of this system, and if every time I, my bot or you know, PM said to me, Hey, what do you think the estimate is? And every time I gave them an answer, they'd cut it in half. I would yep. start giving them double the estimate. Yep. Yep. So that they would then, when they cut it in half, um, I'd still have the right amount. You exactly. Know, people are, are expert in beating systems. And so it seemed to me not to not not to be too critical of the, the person, you know, the inventor of critical chain, but it seemed like human nature wasn't quite being thought through on that one. Yeah. Um, so anyways, I, I, but I, I think the taking the best of both worlds out of critical path and critical chain seems to me to make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, and, and I think it's almost, it's, it's very real worldish, and, and really that's the theme of, of these discussions is, is to try to get at the aspects of real world project management is, is that's, that's probably the way I bet you most critical chain, critical path projects work is, is PMs will say, okay, I'm going to take the goodness out of this and the goodness out of this and, and merge it together. And I think that's real world. Um, it's almost seems to me to be true. A lot of the, this also comes to the forefront in the agile versus waterfall worlds where we, when we read about it, we, it, it's presented in a purest way of we either do this 100% or this 100%. We, and, and I think in the real world, these things get 
merge together, you know, where, where elements of, of each start affecting the other or, or are involved in the other. So I, th I think that's true in that world as well. Uh, Absolutely. Know, mm -hmm. I think the agile aspect, um, if you look at agile, it actually does incorporate the um, critical chain element, but it's self-managed. It's not managed by a project manager. Right. So, you know, we'll talk more about that in the agile course, but um, if you think agile, it's, um, it also has the critical chain element in it, but it's self-managed by the individual right. who is a resource for that chain of activities. Right. Right. So these things sort of cross over these that we again, when you talk about them in textbooks and, you know, articles, they're presented as very pure subjects. Absolutely. And very differentiating theories, but it's right. actually in practice. It's um, like you said, best you, you pick out the best of the element or you, the uh, the element that's in practice applicable to you and you're um, putting those best practices together for that execution. Right. It's almost like that's the sort of higher level of, of project of, you know, project and program management thinking is to be aware of the different methodologies like this, to be aware of agile, to be aware of, of critical chain, critical path, and to, to understand how much to, to, to use in a certain situation. Um, what types of product, like when, when would you want to become more critical? Like what type of project do you see being more critical chain focused? Like what, what, when would you go to that approach? When there's really a strong limitation of resources. Um, like you said, uh, where skill sets are really um, uh, determined by the knowledge-based element. Uh, one of the projects I mentioned a little bit earlier and where we talked about mergers and acquisitions. That was a project that really, to me, um, was about 80, 90% critical chain because it was deeply knowledge-based. Uh, you're merging two organizations. So you have resources that are very familiar with the process. You cannot get those readily. And for mergers and acquisitions, we had a very legal element where you need to complete that by a certain date. If you bought an organization, you must have the financials department. You must have those financials um, uh, uh, processes merge by a certain date to meet the government or the legislation, the legality of the, the mergers and acquisitions. So that type of project uh, was very highly critical chain, where you really did not have the availability to push out tasks um, and we didn't have a lot of uh, availability to, uh, to have control of buffers as well mm -hmm. because it's very hard and fast date. Right. So those are some of the projects in my, in my experience that uh, more critical chain right. than others. Right. No, good. Okay. Well, Marion, this has been a, a great discussion about, uh, about critical uh, chain. I appreciate your experience and, and really the, your, your real world sort of, sort of view and, and, and implementation of it. So I thank you very much for your discussion today. It's been great talking to you. Well, it's great to see you again, Dave, and great to be here and share my knowledge. Great. Well, thanks a lot. We'll talk to you soon.